Hello and welcome to the Stories About Autism podcast. My name is James and I'm your host. My dad of two boys, Tommy and Jude, who are both autistic. Each week on the podcast, I get to speak to a special guest who shares their own story about autism. I chat with autistic adults, parents of children who are autistic, and professionals who work with the autism community too. This week, I get to speak with Wemsey, who is a mum of three kids who are all autistic. Wemsey shares daily insights from her family's lives on her TikTok and Instagram accounts at Quotas, and has had many funny and warm-hearted videos that have gone viral. So if you spent any time on TikTok, I'm sure you'll have seen her family before. We talk all about the early days around her children's diagnoses, what she knew about autism back then, and what she's learned in the years since. Three children who are autistic, all in the same house. We talk about their different personalities and the balancing act to ensure she's able to meet their different needs. I met Wemsey in the summer at a protest about special education. So we discussed her family's experience with school and why it's so important to get the right support in place. We talk about autism and the African community and some of the stigma that surrounds autism and differences. How damaging the stereotypes and misinformation can be especially when it's coming from those whom you love and look up to. Wemsey shares some of her own experiences around religious abuse too and the dangerous impact that it can have. Wemsey was a fascinating guest, one who's hugely passionate about helping other autism families, making the world a more fair and better place for us all. I loved getting to know her family story and I'm sure you will too. Let's get started. Here's my chat with Wemsey. Okay, Wemima, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, James. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited to get so to really excited to get to talk to you today and find out more about you and your family. Uh, I've been following you for a while. Um, got to see lots about you through the different videos that you share. So, for those of yeah. those of the community listening who don't already follow you, do you want to give them a little introduction to you and your family and where you are in the UK? Okay, yes. So my name is Wemimo and I'm married and I've got three lovely children that are all autistic and I live in Manchester um, in the UK and yeah, and I've got an account on social media showing my own perspective of raising autistic children. And I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's go back to the early days. I know Shaheem, your eldest, was the, the first one who was diagnosed as autistic. Like you said, you have three children yes. who are autistic. Take us back to then when you first thought to sort of explore getting a diagnosis and, and what you knew about autism. Okay. So with my oldest son, I didn't even know he was autistic. I didn't know what autism was. I'd never heard the word before. So it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel like anything. Mm. The only thing that I observed with Shaheen was that when I take him out, I was noticing, because obviously first mom, I didn't really have much family around me. You know, I was always working a lot most of the time. But the little time that I had with Shaheem, I said no sitting, no sitting, noticing things like he wasn't talking. He was always by himself, you know, playing by himself. 
So I think it was more of like, oh, my child isn't talking. Why is my child not talking? You right. know, I hope everything is okay. But then when you speak to like the elders, which are like my mother-in-law or like my mom, they start telling you things like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. Ah. Do you know when his father spoke? His father didn't talk to so, 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 so. Do you know where his uncle spoke? Blah, 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 blah. You know, they'll say things like, oh, um, do you know that people who don't speak to like they're like seven, eight years old, they are usually the most intelligent people. So I think that used to like make me, that made me a lot relaxed, you know? Yeah. But school, nursery was the one who picked up on it. Mm. So even when nursery picked up on it, they didn't tell me that, you know, shame had autism or there's anything to worry about. They only just said to me that, you know, Shaheem is always by himself a lot. He doesn't play with people. I think you should speak to the GP about it and see if you can get referral for speech and language therapy. Okay. So when they said, oh, he can get the shoot recommending for speech and language therapy, which was his nursery, I did that. No, I spoke to the L visitor. When I spoke to the L visitor, months passed. I didn't hear any, anything. So the school told me to speak to the to my GP about it and see if he can get a referral um, to the speech and language therapist. So when the speech and language therapist came and they were asking me a bunch of questions, I was just giving them the questions based on everything I know about Shaheem. And mm. I was thinking that all this information was just based on his personality. So right. when all the assessment went through and they said, oh, Shaheem has autism. It was like, huh? What? What? What is that? What do you mean, my? What? What? What is that? You're telling me what I don't even know. You yeah. know, I've never heard that word before. So it was um a lot to process at the time, and um, but I think that after like months and months looking at that reaction i think dad knew that shenheim had autism but shenheim but he never spoke to me about it because i think to dad as well thinking if he doesn't speak about it you know maybe it would disappear mm. maybe everything will be fine maybe you know whatever but i had never heard that word before so it was just like a different processing for me i was more I was processing it more like, is this something that I have done? Mm -hmm. You know, um, is this something I've done to make my child have autism? Am I really cost? Because growing up, I've always thought that there was something wrong with me spiritually, you know, and right. that was what I was processing at the time. That like, have I passed on my cost to my child? Have I passed on, you know, whatever, is going on in my head but i know i'm not a bad person i know i'm not demonic so i was still fighting that aspect of my life so mm. trying to then process that okay what have i done to my child so i think it was really to me that was the hardest part of of it accepting my son me i'm naturally stubborn so i didn't really care about what my family had to say i didn't really care about what people had to say because once I have my mind made up, that is me. But I think for me personally, that was what I was fighting the most. So I think what helped me to get out of that, um, what helped me to get out of that phase was reflecting on my own life and my own journey 
and then trying to figure out what I wish my parents did for me that was different. Mm, okay. And that was how I was able to kind of get myself out of it because to me, and I'm like, okay, I am going to relieve how I wish my parents raised me with Shaheem. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, um, it, it does. And I also think, yeah, so I think that was what made me, that was, because that, I, I can say that was my moment of grief. Mm. Um, but that was how I was able to break that moment of grief, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think so, that's yeah, a so very that's common... how I was able to get out of it. And I think that, I was just going to say, I think that's, it's a very common feeling, especially amongst mothers, isn't it? That, that yes. you feel you've done something wrong. Uh, maybe you've done something mm. during the pregnancy or maybe you've, you know, and mm. there was a lot of disinformation about in, in, in the past that, that tied in with that. I've never mm. heard anyone describe it quite like you have, though, that uh, you felt mm. like you was passing on a, a curse that you had from. So that, that must have been mm. incredibly tough to to feel like that that you know it's it's, a, it's still blaming yourself it's just a, a different way of doing it yeah 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 I think yeah I think that was the hardest thing for me and I think the other thing as well for me was that when I was it was just a moment of I think the more I felt like the more I was telling I told people about shame had autism was also me accepting that shame mm. had autism but then that kind of backfired because people will start saying, I say again, things like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. It's fine. Don't be silly. There's nothing wrong with him. It's fine. Mm. Have you seen someone that has autism before? Like, Shaheen doesn't have autism because the autism that I have seen, I rebuke it. That cannot be Shaheen, you know? Yeah. And then I think the only one that stood with me was people saying things like, but how many black people have you seen have autism? Really? It's wow. a white man's thing. Yes, it's a white man's thing. Why, why, why are they pushing their, they are pushing their disease on your child? So that kind of got to me in a way because then I started thinking to myself, okay, actually, first of all, I've never had autism before. Like it, it starts to kind of like play with your mind. So yeah, I think I that was imagine. what pushed yeah. me into social. That was what actually pushed me into social media. Mm. that was what made me start showing showing my life because i think at some point when i stay getting a little bit comfortable with i think with the right therapy with the right environment and treating shaheem differently from the way i was treated as a child i would see a lot of progress with shaheem mm. and when i say seeing that i say pushing me to like actually let me see the other black people that have autism let me see the other people that have autism and back then, when Shaheen was like four, there were a lot of white creators on social media. Yeah. There weren't black creators. So even like people like, um, it was, I think a month, a year after I found um, Tiffany. So nine functioning also, because you know there are yeah. two Tiffany's, there's three and five Tiffany and there's, yeah. the first time I found Tiffany, I cried. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I cried because it was like, I know even though it sounds a bit somehow, that was me, that was a sign to me that said that, you know, you're just craving for something like, where are the autistic adults? Where are the autistic mm. black adults? Where are they? So once I saw Tiffany, 
um, because Tiffany has always followed me on my private page before she followed me on my Aquotas page. Yeah. You know, and it was like Tiffany was one who found me. So I was like, oh my God. So there are really autistic, black autistic people out there. Oh my God. And then from finding Tiffany in Life Functioning Autism, I found Fidget and, fi and Fries. I found James as well. Because it's like, okay, yes, I found girls. What about boys? What about boys? What about boys? So when I found James as well, but James doesn't really post as much. There was this thing it did, it did for me then. And it was like, okay. Maybe if I then start showing the black community, the children, a black child that has autism, you know, it might change the perspective of a lot of black people around autism, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was what pushed me to creating um, a quarters. And um, with time, then I found you, because it was through Tiffany that I found everybody that I follow now. You, Lisa, um, um, a bunch of other creators. I found Lilac's mom as well on social media. I was like, oh, right. But when I then joined TikTok, when I first joined TikTok, I didn't really understand how TikTok worked. So I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. So I think it was two years ago, roughly a year ago, or a little bit over a year ago, that I started taking TikTok seriously. And all I just did was just share the old content I had on there and within like two, three months, it just went hey, um, wildfire. And then I said, listen, watching hashtags. And then I said, seeing Otizi. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's this Otizi hashtag? And then I then realized that, oh, it's, a, it's an hashtag specifically for black autistic people. Okay. So when I saw that hashtag and I then started watching and watching and watching and watching, I was like, oh my God. So they are really a bunch of black autistic people out there that are black, you know? So I think those were the, starting off with Suf Shahim, those were the two things, but it was mm. more of the spiritual aspects that really played on my mind for so long, you know? Then followed by, oh, are there really black people out there that have autism? Yeah. And that's, so, that yeah. must have been really difficult to, to hear and to even feel that way for how, however long it was in, in time like I think we all mm. turn to social media because we want to connect with people right we want to we want community yes. we want to see you know we follow other accounts about autism because we want to see families like our own and and people who are going yes. through living a similar life and I can imagine yes that, like you said if if you're you're finding it really hard to find other black families then in the back of your mind, there is mm. that, well, are, can black people be autistic? Can, you know, because you're yeah. hearing it so, so much. So I'm sure, I mean, I, I know from watching your videos and seeing the response it gets that the, the good that you do, and I'm sure there's many, many other black families who, who yeah. can really feel relief that they can identify and, and, and see other families like their own. And, and that must be really mm comforting and rewarding to know that you can do that like you've found other families you're doing that for other people too yeah so let's go so you've mentioned shaheem what's the what's the difference in ages between the three children ah so the difference between shaheem and sufyan is i would say six years or so because mm -hmm. shaheem is 12 
Sufiani is going to be six. Yeah. This year. Um, and there was a reason why that is. I think when I had Shaheem and I saw, you know, a lot of his autistic traits, I felt like at the time it would be selfish for me to have any more kids. So I thought to myself then that I did not want to have any more children so that I can focus, especially not understanding what autism was and understanding, yeah. you get what I mean, like a lot of his traits back then. So it was more of like, I know that he needs my attention 24-7. I even quit my job then because the job I had was more of like a rotational shift jobs where it wasn't missing like they could tell me to do like a five to 10 at night or whatever. So it was not meeting up with Shaheem's expectations or his needs. And I thought, you know what, that will work. And I'll stay at home so I can focus more. Cause I feel like Shaheem really needed my attention. So, um, yeah, so I didn't decided that I wasn't going to have any more kids, but when Shaheem, when my sister would come over to visit and then she had her own son, and our son would come to our house. I just started seeing the way Shaheem was with my, with his cousin. Yeah. And that kind of like sparked something inside me to say, you know what? Maybe it's selfish of me not for Shaheem not to have a sibling because I see how he interacts with, you know, his sibling doesn't have any friends in school, nothing. Maybe if I have another child, maybe if I have another child, you know, it might help Shaheem a little bit more with his communication or interaction and stuff or like a companionship. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you never know when you might pass on, you know, who will be there for Shaheem. So I think that was what then triggered the idea of having another child, which then became Sufyan. But Sosan was more of dad's. Dad just said, you know what? This is another boy. I really want a girl. <laughs> Let's just try it one more time. Like, listen, if we try one more time and it's a boy, I am done. I cannot emotionally <laughs> carry. Like, when I'm pregnant, the emotions I have, it's not, it's not, I don't feel like, I don't want to do it again. But it was like, trying to like, please, I just, you know, let's just try, let's just try. So, so then came, you know, so but Sukhya was more girl. like a planned, yes, that little yeah. girl, obviously. <sighs> Um, but Sufyan was more planned, was more of a planned, you know, like, you know, let's have Sufyan. Um, and then we found out it was a boy. And then I think the gap between Sufyan and Sosan is four. So it's two years gap, roughly two years gap between Sufyan and Sosan. So that's how they all came, came into existence. <laughs> and how, how old were they both when they were diagnosed? So, because I think of the experience that I've had with Shaheem and how much exposed I, or not exposed, but more knowledgeable I had about autism being a spectrum, um, I would say with Sufyan, I knew Sufyan was autistic from when he was, I would say maybe like six, seven months. But before really he turned early. one year old, I knew for yeah. Yes, one year old. I knew for a fact one year old that Sufian was clearly autistic, and that was because I think I was just paying so much attention with Sufian and noticing some of his traits. And I also believe that Sufian 
also has ADHD, but Sufyan is mm. not yet diagnosed with ADHD yet. Or yeah. we haven't gone through it because the area where I stay, they don't look into ADHD until the child is seven, unless mm. the child profoundly shows the traits of ADHD that they will. But majority of the time, they don't look into it until the child is seven years old. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've not even thought about the assessment or or anything yet. But I believe Sufian has it because like it it's it, the autism and the ADHD are always clashing. They're mm. always clashing, you know. Um with Sosan, from when Sosan was four months old, I knew Sosan was clearly autistic. I knew that one I knew for a fact in from the bottom of my heart. I knew yes, Sosan is clearly clearly autistic. Because Sosan reminds me more of Shaheem, but a right. little bit with it's more so with more obvious. But I think even with Shaheem looking back because i like photographing and recording and stuff but when i look back back at shaheen because then it was during sufian's pregnancy that i started seeing a lot of people coming out with content around autism and vaccines autism as vaccines and i don't know maybe because of my pregnancy and my hormones it's there like making me think is it possible is it possible and i even called my sister my sister really cussed me out and said you know what you're so i don't understand you whimsy like i don't know whether it's this pregnancy and i've noticed every time you're pregnant you're you're, you're you don't think clearly um <laughs> and you've been doing so good you've been doing so good with shaheem and like you want to set yourself backwards 10 times you know backwards because like why are you letting that it, whatever so when she said that and then i went and found all shahim's recording then i then realized that if i had known what i'd known i would have picked up that shame was um autistic from when he was nine months old yeah you know but because i didn't i didn't know those were true. i just thought mm. those traits were personalities you know sure. so I was like, damn, he, he, like, I even have visions like, oh my God, like, wow. Um, I, I obviously missed that because I didn't, I didn't know what it was. So I think with, um, so what were we saying? So I think with every one of them, I knew, I knew early, but it was because I was more exposed to, you know, people like Tiffany and I always, Tiffany is always my go-to person. Whenever I'm unsure of things, I always text Tiff, Tiff, this is going on. I don't know what to do or this is going on. What do you think I should do? And then she will either tell me, oh, what you're doing is fine or maybe try this and see. You never know. Or this is what I did or this is what you should do. So I feel like Tiffany is always like my guide and it's, mm. as she's really, really helps me a lot with the way I am with my children overall. So, um, yeah, so I think, I think because I, 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 say getting comfortable and noticing things and meeting other autistic children and seeing other other autistic children it made me figure it out i was able to to observe better you know when they were showing the autistic traits in in all the three i mean the sufian and sosan yeah so firstly tiffany is on a previous podcast episode for anyone who hasn't uh watched or listened to that yet do make sure <laughs> to do that because she is a font of knowledge uh -huh. and we have a really brilliant yes. conversation so just like she has fantastic advice for Wimimo, i'm sure there's going to be plenty in there that you'll learn from too <laughs> uh yes 
couple of things I, I, I got from that. You, you're right. We, we don't know what we don't know. And you had zero experience or knowledge of autism. So of course you don't know what to look out for or what to, what traits might suggest that someone's autistic or mm. I had no idea before as we were going through the process of Jude being diagnosed, I started to learn a bit about autism and what it meant. I still didn't really understand it. I still didn't mm. really know. I didn't know anybody that was autistic. I didn't, I, I just had nothing to compare it to or to, or to, to try and understand. Mm. And I think that, that is one of the benefits now, like Jude is 15. So that's, you know, 14 years ago. Now, with social media mm. there is a lot more visibility and there is a lot more understanding yeah. so that that really helps to, you've mentioned you know the, the three kids tell, tell us a little bit about them all tell us about their personalities uh you know i've seen Ooh. from from your videos you there's clearly some very contrasting needs in the household of it's quite a balancing oh, act God. at times trying to keep everyone happy which you <laughs> to do an amazing job of uh but yeah to tell everyone a little bit about the the free free kids and and what autism means for them all right i'll start with shahim and mm -hmm. sosan because i feel like shahim and sosan are very similar right with the autistic traits um but sosan is more non-speaking so if i was compare sosan and sufian were Sosan and um, Shahim, sorry, um, have very similar traits. Um, so Shahim's personality is very straight to the point. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. This is how it's going to be. I make my own rules. That's literally what he says to me now. <laughs> and he's done and say, look, I make my own <laughs> I make my own rules. Shahim is very caring. Shahim likes to be in charge of his. He, he, he wants to be in charge of what he does, how things are done. So sometimes it's quite um, difficult whereby you're like, okay right you can cross this line but you can't cross this line and uh, this is what you is acceptable and this is what isn't acceptable and shahim is very curious and shahim loves you cannot just tell shahim no and that's the thing i've noticed and not just shahim and sosan and sufyan it's all of them in general you cannot just say no there has mm. to be a reason why you say no so at first shahim used to struggle with that like even when you even try and explain but because of the communication barrier it was a bit hard to try and you know say but i think at a very early stage i realized that it's very it's all it is you should always assume competency in all your children so even though we know that it might not really process what's been said it never stops us from still saying it you know so yeah. It's it's just yeah it's that's just just shame special. He's very quiet. He likes to be by himself. He doesn't like people in his personal space. He's never afraid to tell me and his dad to get out of his room. He's never afraid to put us in tell us when we are wrong, and if we deserve uh, 
to be locked up and stay stay there, ground, be grounded for one hour. We've never grounded Shaheen before, but thanks to YouTube, Shaheen knows that when you do something wrong, you're going to get grounded. But he <laughs> never gets grounded. Yeah. <laughs> but he never gets grounded. So we just say, right, you're grounded for two hours. Stay in your room. Don't come out. And you have to obey him. Um, and Sufyan, on the other hand, is a, everybody is my friend. I want to play with everybody. I want to do what everyone is doing. You know, <laughs> I want to do what everybody is doing. I want to go out. I want to have all the adventure. I want to go bike riding. I want to do this. I want to do that. That's Sufyan. And that's why I think that the ADHD you know, is quite significant with Sufian. Mm. Um, and that's Sufian for you. It just wants to go out and explore and be out there. And Sufian and Shahim, they are the two who always clash the most because, yes, they do have similarities in their personality, but because they also are, he also wants to be in Shahim's space all the time. There's always fights. There's always <laughs> there's always clashing. So Sam, on the other hand, even though she's similar to um Sufian, I mean Shahim, and she's non-speaking, she's not afraid to tell you how it is. We took her to the dentist yesterday, and they for the first time because she has sensory with brushing, and then they wanted to examine her teeth, and I had to hold her really tight for them to check, and she didn't speak to me for like the entire two three days, and she was just making all the vocal sounds telling her dad what I've done inside and I'm sure to her telling her dad how horrible I was to her in the dentist by making all the sounds and the only thing that made her stop making those vocal sounds to her dad was me saying to her okay so son should we go to TK Maxx or do you want to go to Smith and then she was fine with me but she was still giving me the side eye don't be people should not be um confused with the fact that Susan is non-speaking she will tell you as it is, you know. And I think that's where her personality is a little bit different from Shaheem when Shaheem was her age. She will still tell you how it is and she's not afraid to, even though she doesn't, even though she doesn't say it in like, you know, the the way we expect her to say it, but she will say it. So I think that's that's just that personality. But she's more she's more like Shaheem. She's very quiet by herself go out once in a while but just wants to be by herself but yeah but Sufyan Sufyan is the one that I at the moment I spend the most time with because if you don't fit into Sufyan's personality that's where you start having you know that's where I then start to struggle with Sufyan because then he starts showing other behaviors trying to hint to you that look I am a nature guy I need to be out your your making me stay in the house that's not me you know so i always have to feed into that personality mm. personality to avoid certain behaviors you know from him that might be um i don't know how to put it i don't like using that word aggressive i don't like it but i feel like that's his way of communicating yeah. to me that like he doesn't want to it it's just it is he is not happy let me put it that way he's not happy I can totally understand that you've got, you know, these, these big personalities, all three of them and, and very different ways that they express it. And, and I think you, you've des described it really well there. 
And from what I see, Sofian definitely seems like he's the one who, you know, wants to take control. He wants to be the one who... Yes. Who, uh, he's the one who his... gets the most attention from the yeah. three of them. But I think what makes it easier is because because of Sufian's personality, whereby he doesn't really like people around him all the time. Because sometimes mm. I always feel guilty that, like, Sufian takes majority of my attention, you know, compared mm. to Sosan. But I know that if I don't fit into him, knowing his personality, I'm going to have a lot of problems with Sufian. Um, and that's why he gets majority of my attention. Every day we have to go for walks. Every day, and I'm talking about after school, he's not mm -hmm. tired. He has to go out to Asda or McDonald's or to the park or Tesco. He needs to go somewhere. If he doesn't go somewhere, there's going to be serious problems, you know. <laughs> um, so he get yeah. So he gets majority. So I think that's what helped. I think if Shahim was roughly maybe two years younger, or they're all within the same age group i would really really struggle mm. we, me and my husband would really really struggle because then if they also had the same personality it would be hard because i it, for me now i struggle taking three of them out at the same time unless my husband is at home but if my husband yeah. is not at home it, it's it becomes overwhelming for me because it's like they're either fighting with each other shahim can start saying super keep quiet because Sufian is making vocal sounds but you make vocal sounds and you're telling your brother to stop making vocal sounds because the vocal sounds is upsetting you so you know little little things like that become very huge problems like I don't mind the stairs I don't care about people looking at me if you want to rumble I want to fight I'm ready for a fight no problem but it's just that like I think for me that's where I struggle the most having to take all of them out at the same time if my husband isn't there you know so it's just I feel like I, I feel like that's one part that plays to my to our favor that you know Shahim is old now and he's wanting to do his thing, but if he also had Sufian's personality, oh my god, it would it, it would it would be challenging. It would be a lot challenging. I think what's great and one of the things that I get messages about is because you know Jude and Tommy are very different, and. Mm. I do different things with them. They have very different personalities. Autism means different things to them both. And yes. often the stereotypical view of autism is, you know, people have a very set, oh, if you're autistic, it means you're like this. And mm. obviously me sharing stories shows that, you know, even within the same family, autism is very different. And yes, even more so for you. Uh, like you said, there's different personalities, there's different things they enjoy, different things they they struggle with. And even with the three of them, uh, their communication skills are, are very different. Um, obviously, part, yes. of it, part of that is their age difference, but also, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Susan uses an AAC device. Uh, you said Shaheem yes. was quite behind on his speech, but... So do you want to talk about communication for the three of them and, and, and where they're all yes. at? With the communication, um, with, Suf with Shaheem, Shaheem started off with um, echolalia. So that's how Shaheem learned how to speak. And um, he learned how to speak from like watching Tom and Jerry, 
and um watching Tom and Jerry and I think Telly Toby but it was really Tom and Jerry and then from there it would it just graduated to saying come on water let's go for everything so we'll say come on water for let's say he wants to eat he wants to use the toilet he wants to sleep he wants to go out so I think with time we started learning what it what each body language meant or where it was directing us to and then from there it just started picking up things from from telly and from tv um so i would say shaheen really started speaking started like saying some words with prop like in the right context let's say when he was like maybe like seven years Mm -hmm. old um but it was very limited it was very scripted and then i would say right after the pandemic was when you know his vocabulary just went <laughs> you know everywhere um with sufian sufian has always been a see i do see i do so once you it picks up a word it sinks in and that is it you know it still doesn't really um has that much communication so there are also some signs that we notice with him whereby he chooses to be okay not chooses to there are times that he is verbal and there are times where he is selective and decides not to you know and he doesn't use his words so some of his words sometimes can be you know very how would i put it out of context sometimes. Um, so, and that is why Sufian as well, we are exploring the AAC device with Sufian. With Sosan, Sosan is, um, doesn't for her age, she's four, she doesn't have that much vocal, vocabulary or doesn't at all. But the sweet part or the great part of it is, I believe, we believe, from what she shows us is that she understands more than she speaks or that she she shows yeah. us so at the moment sosan can say and i think what she says now is because she is exploring the aac device but before the aac device sosan could only say a can recite she could recite a to z or we notice that she'd be reciting, repeating what she's watching, but she wasn't like saying good morning. She does even till now. She doesn't say good morning to us. She doesn't say hi, hello, how are you? Nothing like that. She's clearly non-speaking. Um, but then she would recite one to ten. She recites A to Z. She recites nursery rhyme, but she isn't using. She isn't speaking to us or using our words to speak to us. Sosan is more of a show. She shows us, which is very similar to Sufian. I mean, so to Shahim and even Sufian as well. They are more of a show you, point at, you know, take you to what they want. So since we start explaining yeah. AC device now, Sosan is repeating some words. So she would repeat words like where, living room. She calls my workspace house. So when she says house, I know she wants to come to... Um, to come and play in the garden or she wants to come to the to my workspace to steal some stuff that she's not going to pay for. Um, <laughs> um, she would say things like, 
trolley. So trolley means she wanted to go to, she wants to go to Asda or she wants to go to TK Maxx or somewhere that she loves going to. So since explaining the AAC device, you know, she's been saying some of these words and really the aim is not about her saying words. It's more of her, it's more about her, um, because I get that question a lot from parents who say, oh, they either say, oh, you're letting your kids use AAC device. They're not going to speak or, oh, your child is using AAC device. Um, you know, they're going to depend on that for the rest of their life. And that's not the point of communication. Communication should be something the child is comfortable with, you know, that's what she's comfortable with. Whether she speaks or not, it's not the, it's not, shouldn't be the, the goal. The goal should yeah. be that your child has the resources to communicate. If speech comes, because I, I would like, I used to be like that too at some point, and I used to be a question like, but if my child is saying some words now, how come there are some children who are on the spectrum and they cannot speak, you know? And then you start to realize that even I, I'll speak for myself. I started realizing some ableist things that I didn't even realize were ableist, you know? Um, and have to unlearn a lot of ableist things that, you know, that I have been taught. So when I had Shahim, I used to think, oh, if my son can speak, other children could speak. Um, and then realizing, no, that's not true. It's a spectrum. And why is it wrong if a child couldn't speak? Why is it wrong if a child can't speak? Yeah. And you start to question yourself that, okay, that mentality is wrong because really it's not about speaking because then indirectly I'm saying that people who are deaf or hard of hearing, am I saying that they're not worthy of communication? Am I saying that they're not worthy of, you know, interacting? Everybody deserves interaction. Why should speech be superior? We are thought that speech, speaking with our own voices is superior. And why should that be? You know, and it's then on learning and realizing that, okay, that is a wrong way to think. So with Sosan, I always tell parents, look, it's not about your child speaking. And people also always send me messages like, oh, please, can you tell me when your child speaks? And, I, and at first, I used to get really irritated by that question. But then I then thought to myself, why am I irritated about that question? I was once that parent to who create that my child could speak. So it's all about if you're going to educate people, if you've created a platform to educate people, you cannot be tired. You cannot pick and choose. So, and then that's also the hard part because then when you then tell the parent that, look, your goal should not be about your child speaking. Your child should, your, the goal should be about your child communicating. Some parents then get offended by that and start saying things like, oh, it's so easy for you to say because you have kids that can speak, you know, or, they get offended and say, oh, she's being negative. I'm not being negative. I have three children all around the spectrum. I have a child who is non-speaking. And I'm telling you, the goal is for her to communicate, not to speak. If Susan doesn't speak for the rest, if she doesn't use her voice to speak, then that's her choice. But trust me, my daughter doesn't speak, but she, she, she understands what's going on. And even if she doesn't understand what she, what's going on, the aim is communication communication is the aim and a lot of parents don't they get really offended when i say that they really get offended when i say that they feel like i'm being negative i'm like no it's not about being negative it's the reality a child not speaking is not it's not the end of the world it's not it's not a bad thing 
why are you making it seem like it's a bad thing? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm only telling you that there are other ways your child can communicate. There are some children who might never learn AAC, right? Because that's the thing. AAC is a privilege. It took me two years to actually save up for my child to have an AAC device. And I have two children. Save up to buy the iPads for them. And so um, when I said thinking of exploring the AAC device, it was actually through you because I saw your story and I saw um, your son using it. And then I sent you a message and you sent me the app. So when he sent me the app and then I sent it to Tiffany, I was like, oh, Tiffany, what do you think about this app? And she was like, oh, this app is what I use. Whimsy, go and get it. I really am pushing for, especially for Sosan. You know, she's going to do so well with it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm going to have to save up save up for it. Um, it's, mm. you know, because the salt, speech and language therapy, they are a bit, you know, funny with people exploring, you know, AAC device. They don't want to really pay for it. So when I spoke to mine and they were giving me like a very indirect answer, I thought, you know, I'll save up for it. So saving up for like Sufian and saving up for like Sosan to get the iPad. And because what Tiffany told me was that if I can do whereby the iPad is strictly their communication device, where there's no YouTube, there's no, you know, stuff to distract them, they will learn it quicker. So when we bought it, bought the ProloQ app, and oh yeah, so it was her and another lady that told me to wait in because I think ProLocu they do sales in October and in April. They will do a fifty percent off. So when I waited and I bought the app, you know, and she's been doing Susan has been doing so well. Sufian as well has been doing so well with the app now. At first it took about I'll say four months for her to understand what it was about. And the more I said understanding what she liked and using her special interest to teach her the AAC trying to avoid things that like things like brushing her teeth and not making her, you know, um, do the task that she doesn't like on the AAC. I said to see a lot of improvements and also, you know, she, she's repeating more words, um, which is great. But I think apart from that, what's most important is that she understands that she, that is also a voice. That's, that is also a speech, yeah. you know, and because speech comes in so many ways, it's not about using your, your particular voice. She understands that if I need to communicate to someone what I need, this is what I need to do um, or I can use for people to understand me better. Really, it's more about a future. So hopefully by the time she's an adult, she has an extra way of communicating. So whether speech comes or not, she knows I'm already building her up for the future to know, yes, if I'm in a place where people don't understand me, this is what I can use to communicate to people so they can understand, you know, me. Um, yeah, and also, I think I was also saying that, like, with the with people, when they contact me about the AAC device, they get very offended um, when they ask me questions like, oh, is so, um, what, what age did your child speak? And then I have to be the bearer of bad news. That's how they see me when I say to them, look, it's not about speech. Your child might speak, your child might not speak. It's about your child communicating. And they feel like I'm being yeah. negative because, oh, you know, Shaheem, but Shaheem is talking. But Sufyan is talking, you know. Or you even get questions like, but why are you using AAC for Sufyan when Sufyan is talking? I'm like, no, that's not the point. Sufyan, I know for a, very, for a fact that by the time Sufyan is in the, in the next few, to give him four, good four years, Sufyan would speech will be like on point. But that's not the yeah. point because 
I've also mm. learned from autistic community that there are actually times that they are selective. They can't speak because maybe they are anxious or they have anxiety or, you know, they are, they are frightened or whatever the case may be, which I've learned from Tiffany because Tiffany says she's also like that. Sometimes, um, and she's, she's being forced to speak. She feels like she's being forced to speak most times because she's also an AAC user. Um, that that's not the point. The point is, what other ways can I communicate if I find myself in those sticky situations in a world that doesn't understand me? Yeah. So I feel like that is what I'm setting my children up for, for the future. But a lot of parents don't also like that. So it's like, I get very irritated when they start asking because I know if I give them the answer, they will like the answer. But why are you asking me? So I think also for me, is also realizing that I was once that parent as well, where I was craving that, will my child speak? Will my child speak? So if I've grown, if I've grown from that and I have better understanding about autism, knowing that it's a spectrum and accepting that, speech will come or speech will not come, then I have to be patient with understanding that that parent asking me that question was once me, you know? So sometimes it's very sticky and it's very, it can be frustrating sometimes and it can be, because you feel like, oh, I'm, they're not going to like the answer, you know, but I have to say it. I just have to say it, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, so um, I would honestly push for any parents looking into other ways to communicate to explore the AAC device. Honestly, I feel like it's done so, so much for, you know, my two kids in terms of their communication has really helped them so, so much. Some really important points that you've made there. I think in the beginning, you know, trying to remember the parents we were 10 years ago, I think is really important. And yeah. I have changed yeah. massively. It sounds like you've changed massively. I definitely yeah. had ideas around speech and language that I don't have anymore. I used to think, hmm. uh, so PEX was what Jude and Tommy were first introduced to. And there was a time where hmm. I probably thought PEX would stop them speaking. And I thought, was it, the way to... yes, <laughs> I, I thought if they learn this, they're not going to want to speak because you know, mm. the, the, they're using pecs. And so I think, mm. yeah, you're right. We do go through these things and we're all at different points in that journey and we all have different amounts of understanding. And yeah, AAC yeah. is a form of communication. There's lots of forms of communication. And I a hundred percent agree with what you said that it's about finding what method of communication works for for your child yes, and for the child and yeah and what works for them now it doesn't mean that is what they will be doing for their whole life it means this is what mm -hmm. works for them now and this is what is helping them progress and like you said whether that's using a device whether that's using sign language or makaton or you know dragging mm. you to <laughs> to things you know jude is the yeah is, that's largely how he communicates dragging me tommy uses mm. AAC and you know some mm. sounds one thing I noticed mm. on your videos one one thing that works really well with communication with you is singing and you seem to have lots yes. of different uh phrases and little songs that you sing back and forth to the kids 
Um, yes. Especially yes. Uh, Sufyan, I've seen. With, with Sufyan, some, yes. Some, yeah, <laughs> with his yes, mama, no, mama, um, replying yes. to you in the songs. T- t- tell us how about that. Like that, that that's one thing I'd, I'd say. You know, I've mentioned a few times they're very, you know, very different personalities and needs, but the bond between you all, you know, mm. really shines through in the videos. And I know you get lots of comments about that, about mm. how you play and interact with them, and and how you act slightly mm. differently for each of them because they need different things. And mm. yes. like the singing, there, I think, is a beautiful representation of that of of how you how you interact. Yeah. Yes. Do you know the funny thing about that singing? That had nothing to do with me. That was actually oh, really? <laughs> Sufyan and his. That was actually Sufyan and his dad, right? Ah. So it was that son of, it was that son of, uh, what's it called, of, um, you know, morning routine because we always take turns. Who does what? Who yeah. does what? So because Sufyan is very attached with me taking him out Sufian prefers when i take him out so so i don't get overwhelmed so daddy does the cleaning i mean the cleaning the dressing up and everything right so it was that turn and i was in the shower and we've always noticed with Sufian. Sufian loves music Sufian is a music mm. person shahim too is but Sufian loves african music so shahim is more of a rock and roll and there are certain okay. sounds like punk that is yeah. that that Shahim liked, and he used to listen with his dad. But I think because Shahim was very non-speaking at Sufyan's age, so he was more of a nodder and whatever. But with Shahim, with Sufyan, Sufyan would repeat and sing and and stuff. So, um, so I think I started with the you know using the song as a reply, as a connection with him. But that Sufian, Sufian, yes, mama, was actually dad. So I was in the bathroom and I heard them going back and it was like, Sufian, Sufian. And he's like, yes, mama. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And then from there, we just played on with, with that, with the Sufian, Sufian, yes, mama. Um, and then from there, we started noticing that like, you know, he, he kind of understood the concept of, um, what's it called? You know, playing, acting and playing in a way. So if I say something, if I was saying, like I said, Sophia and Sophia, and say, yes, mama, isn't she got no mama? And then from there, I took advantage of that with everyday tasks. So if he doesn't want to like go to shower now, you know, I'll be like, Sophia, Sophia, yes, mama, time to shower. He say, no, no, no. I'm like, come on, time to shower. And then we play on like that, like that, like that. And that's what's worked with Sufyan. Hmm. Sosan, on the other hand, if Sosan doesn't want to do anything and you tell Sosan, 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 you're going to, if you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to get punched in the face because she's going <laughs> to, that's her telling you, I've told you, don't mess yeah. with me with your sound. I don't like your voice. If you think you're the Beyonce of our time, I don't know who, who's fooled you. <laughs> Just keep that your ugly voice to yourself and leave me the heck alone. You know, that's so sad. So, and that's why I'm saying that like every child has different personality. You, every child, the, the need is very different. The way they process things is very different. So with Sophia, we knew that worked for him. With Sosan, that wouldn't work for Sosan because Sosan doesn't 
and I think because of social and sensory issues, because she has a lot of sensory issues, she that so that my sound will upset her, you know. So it's understanding that doesn't work for Sosa. Um and um I was gonna say something else and I've forgotten now. With Shahim now, for example, Shahim's communication has always been through just watching YouTube. Everything you hear Shahim saying now or do. 99% of it is from telly, is from YouTube. And that's where you get some parents, they say, oh, you're making your child watch, they're on the device 24 7. They will never speak, they will never learn, they'll never do anything. Even Soul Sandra is not speaking. Everything she's learned has always been from watching YouTube and watching educational programs, you know? Mm. She could even say colors at some point. And even till now, she knows different colors. And that's from, from, from YouTube and from, you know, what she sees and what interests her through her special interest. Um, yeah. So I think that it's just understanding what works for each child. It's understanding what works for each child. And that's what works for... That's, that's what works for Sufian. So I know when people ask me about the song, I'm like, ah, should I take credit for it? Oh, shouldn't I? Should I? Should I? <laughs> and I just have to be honest and say, no, it's not me. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, that's, that's that. That's, that's, that's credit. I, I think it's yeah. that and Sufian, you know? So, yeah. I know one of the topics that you share about and that you're, you're passionate about is how autism is viewed in the African community and you, mm. how you've mentioned already that you've tried to help raise awareness for other black families. And mm. I've seen you talk about how there's quite a stigma sometimes around how autism is viewed, um, especially yeah. sometimes from a religious viewpoint as well. Do you want to talk a little about that? So within the African community, um, Disability in general, not just autism, but mm. I'll say disability in general is viewed as something negative, right? But when it comes to mental illness, especially, and um, disabilities that are not visible, like autism, um, I hope I said that right, um, they are seen as it's it's a huge problem and i feel like in the african community not what i feel like it's what i've experienced um is that they are so pro programmed everything is all about religion you right. know it's I, I i don't know how to put it everything is about religion like it's negative it's a bad spirit you don't pray enough you don't fast enough you're not close to god enough you don't believe enough if you believe, then this will not happen to you. You can pray away. You can, you've done, there's something about your generation. You have generational cause. Maybe your forefathers have done something that you're being punished for. And you, like you can see, even in the Bible, these parts are, are there whereby they say, oh, it's maybe, for example, I can't remember who in particular is receiving the sins of his forefathers, you know. So they are heavily into this thing whereby some people don't know how to disassociate spirituality from 
disability or mental illness you know it's a mm. huge it's a huge thing and people do get brainwashed and even with me it was i would say that like it was during sufian's pregnancy that i said that i first explained the possibility of having adhd um but now i know for a fact that i have adhd based on the things i've seen but and based on the things i've heard and based on the things i've experienced um I was even, I even remember speaking to Tiffany recently about, you know, the possibility of, you know, maybe being autistic, but I don't really see that yet because I'm still like trying to do my research and see if I can get a referral. But you know how the waiting list is at the moment and how hard it is, but because there's one thing that has always made me think that I, I was from the evil spirit, right? And it's that. And I've actually, on two occasions, been taken to for exorcism, right? Um, as a child for exorcism, and the second time that I got taken to church for that, and I got hypnotized, and I slept off, and I woke up because I didn't even know what they did. I just saw myself kneeling in a bunch of people, and next night I slept and woke up, and everything had ended. Um. <laughs> and I think when I experienced it, I think after I experienced it, I then decided that everything that I do would be kept. I was hiding it more. So I wasn't showing that aspect of my side more to my parents because when, let's say, my sister sees me where, where one minute I'm happy now and next minute I can just start crying or there are times that I'll be speaking to myself then they'll go and tell my mom, oh, you know, someone will go and tell me, one of the people in the house is going to tell my mom, oh, when mom is acting crazy all over again, or, you know, she's acting like she's talking to somebody, we don't know who she's talking to. And then from there, you know, pastors are also telling my parents that, you know, there's something, they should come and pray for me, they've seen one vision or they've seen something. So with time, I started hiding those behaviors more. Right. I wasn't showing those behaviors as, as often. So one of the things that I remember I used to do now that I now realize that is eco is echolalia is ecologia basically, um, but you know echolalia shoo 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 echolalia is you know obviously the steaming doing things verbal you can see what the person is doing whether they are repeating their sounds or they are dancing or they've heard something or whatever it is, um, but ecologia is more of internal. So I would hear things and I would be saying it. And then from, from where I'm thinking, I'm saying it quietly. Then I'm saying it verbally without realizing I'm thinking I'm right. saying it in my head. Okay. So I used to do, so I used to do those sort of things a lot as a child. So, um, so with time I started masking more and not showing that aspects of my side. So I still do it to today. So from, them taking me to church then I started thinking to myself that there's a spirit inside me you know or my mom would make certain comments that made me think that I was a mermaid or a mammy water is what they call it in my country um and I was you know I'm a child from the water spirit so things like that really played a lot in my head and that's why when Shaheen got diagnosed I started thinking that like maybe my spiritual ancestors are passed on to Shehim 
you know, because then I'm seeing some similarities in Shehim, but majority of Shehim similarities, I don't remember doing. However, with Sufian, a lot of Sufian similarities are the things that I used to do as a child. Like I can relate more with Sufian than with Shahim. So that's why I never explored the possibility of being autistic. Because I was like, okay, I don't really, whatever. whatever. But when, when with Sufian, I was like, okay, I think Sufian, I'll, I'll see if Sufian, if Sufian's streets are ADHD related. Because if they're ADHD related, then surely the ADHD that I can relate to in Sufian. But if they are still saying it's just the autism, then maybe the possibility of exploring autism diagnosis should be there for me, you know. But I feel mm. like it's Sufian. I, I, I am more. I am more. Sufian is me. That if if you see Sufian, everything Sufian does is exactly how I, I was. Even my dad is around. My dad said, "Oh, Sufian Shahim is your husband, but this Sufian is you. You are very restless. You are very this. You are very that." So I used to get beaten a lot as a child from my restlessness, you know, verbal abuse as well from my restlessness. Um, so I feel like it's having to, there's this brainwashing in the African community that like when things like that happen, then they brainwash you as well to think that, yes, you know, there's something spiritual with you. You have to pray. You don't pray enough. You don't pray enough. So it took me a very long time to disassociate myself from that. Um, but in general, like it is, it is, it trust me, it's really, really bad. You can't go one place and an African person who is religious will not tell you that. Let me pray for your child. Let me take out the demon from your child. So that's why with me, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I don't see myself as a religious person anymore, you know, because of the things I've experienced yeah but by myself and trying to safeguard my children as well you know or they'll tell you oh they made this concussion this spiritual water to drink they prayed for it if you drink it for seven days you start seeing difference or you know take you take a child to church let the good man of god pray for your child so a lot of african parents that have children with disabilities or have children with mental health issues um they go through this. This is their life on a daily basis. Some will be like me, who will be like, no, I don't want that for my child. I don't believe my child is. Maybe my child is. And this has nothing to do with education because trust me, some people who have, who have all the educational education in the world still have this way of thinking because we are programmed by religion. In mm. most African countries, it's programmed by religion and it's also programmed by culture, but mainly religion when it comes to disability or mental illness. And that is also, apart from the trying to let people see, look, there are actually autistic children. There are autistic people out there and there are autistic cho- children as well. My kids are, I have a, an autistic child myself, which pushed me into, but my main reason for it is the religion aspect to show you that, look, no prayer in this world that you can do, can. And even if you're a religious person, even the Bible says, everyone help those who help themselves. Okay? So, this is, the situation you are in now look at the good in your child not the bad in your child and if you notice with my videos as well i hardly i hardly show the struggles i hardly show the struggles i always try and show the you know the 
happy side, the fun side. Maybe if I show the struggles, maybe it's just maybe five or six or ten percent of my content you see of me saying, okay, I'm struggling, and which I had you to, um, because I want people to. So it doesn't it doesn't take away from people seeing that. Look, yes, autism is, can be a struggle. It can be a blessing for some people. It can be a struggle for some people. It can be both for some people. But if you are always positive about it, if you look at it from, from if you if you're positive positive about it, and you have the right resources, because all these resources that we have in this country, there are a lot of people in Africa that don't. There are people yeah. who unalive their children because of it. There are people who unalive their children because of it. There are people who their child. They starve their children because they are trying to starve out the demons in their child out of it. You know, there are a child is being unalive yeah. every day, and I and I am not I am not exaggerating, James. I am not no, exaggerating. No. It's that bad, and that is why I said to myself, even my family, I had to block all my family because they're saying, "Oh, why are you bringing shame to our family? Why are you disgracing?" us why are you showing your life you shouldn't be showing you should be, i said listen you don't need to tell me i'm disgracing you me myself i disown myself from today onwards if you're telling me to choose between you and this content i am telling you i've disowned myself i'm blocking all of you i blocked everybody in my family right you're not allowed to see my content if you have a problem with it that is your headache i am i believe that god brought me to this world to to show this, to show people that this is not a demonic problem. This is not a, a devil problem. This is not a devil problem, especially when the child is steaming. That is where they think the child, the demonic aspect is playing in. So, you know, when your cheetah, Shaheen will be making vocal sounds and stuff. Some people will say, oh, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. What is blood of Jesus? Because my child is, is, is steaming. They say, no, it's the devil. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. I've cut out a lot of friends. I've cut out a lot of people because of that. I literally don't have friends, you know. Once you have something negative to say, I disassociate myself from you. I don't, I, it's nah, nah. There's no point. I don't mean you had anything bad, but me and you cannot be friends. Just keep to yourself, you know. So it is really, really bad. And that is why I've said to myself, you know what? I'm going to showcase my family, let people see. And even before we became viral on TikTok, I feel like my most achievement and my most um my 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 proudest moment is my my Instagram. My Instagram, if you notice, I have less than four thousand or five thousand followers, and I've had that Instagram for years. But do you know what? My DMs are always full. My DMs don't reflect my Instagram at all. And it is parents who, and that's the funny thing. These people who contact me, they, they don't follow me because they don't want to follow me so that somebody will not see them following me and they'll start suspecting that their child has autism. Yeah. Some of them don't want, they don't want their family members to know what they're going through because they're still in the process of shame. They're still, in, they're still processing it as shame or something to still keep to themselves. And they're always asking for tips. What can I do? What can I do? From the year before COVID, every year, I will maybe pick four families that have contacted me because the major issue as well is finances. And that's where that 
religion plays a fact because most parents who don't have that finances don't have that resources to even get their child diagnosed in the first place talk less of taking their child to a school that understands them and all that the only option they have is now the religious aspect and that is where they become vulnerable and think you know what this is the only solution i have let me go to this pastor to pray for my child let me try this to, to, to do for my child and that's how they become they fall prey to these pastors who will still end up exploiting them you know and that's why i started showcasing my life on instagram i mean on instagram at first and then explain on tiktok but i feel like my proudest moment is my instagram because the amount of parents that i feel like african parents that i have helped who live in nigeria because that's where i was born in nigeria is a lot is high those are the people i'm doing it for that is my aim tiktok everybody is more excited about seeing the kids and seeing it yes it's helping a lot of family but my goal really was to help the african parents who don't have the resources the help that i have you know or the exposure that i have that is the main reason why i started doing tiktok and that's still my focus that's still my aim and that's what i still push for so it's it's really really bad it's really really bad like even little things like some parents don't even know what an ear, ear defender is. You know, they yeah. don't even know what an ear defender is. They don't know what they are. They beat their child. There's a particular mom that I've known for almost three years now. Before she found me, she told me she was crying and saying that I don't know whether my son can forgive me because every day I'm always beating my child for steaming. Every day I'm always beating my child. And she said, that it was even up to like i don't know maybe one day i'll share my whatsapp message with you with her and she sent me a message and she said to me that i thank you so much for me because this is since i started following and i started adapting some of the things you said yes yeah, some of the things you said hasn't worked for my child but some of the things you said has worked for my child but this is the progress and i thank god for me finding your page because once upon a time every day i must beat my child every day i must beat him because he's teaming or i think he's just being stubborn or it's just being naughty but since i met you my life has changed those are the people that my tiktok are for that those are the people if my tiktok gets taken away now 400 i will even care but if my instagram is taken off with my 4,000 followers i am going to cry because i know those are the people that i am really helping you know, those are yeah. the people I'm really helping. Like people, like honestly, I, I I can never see myself as a religious person anymore. Don't get me wrong; it's not that I don't believe in God. It's very hard for me not to believe in God because I've been heavily into that religion that I can say I don't believe in God. But I don't believe in the concept of religion. I feel like religion is very man. Religion can make can be very can when you're vulnerable, it can manipulate you in so many ways. Like it's, it's very hard sometimes to even take yourself out of it. So because the things that I've seen, not the things I've heard, the things I've experienced, the things I've seen, and even me, the praying part aspects of it is the icing on the cake is nothing, you know? And because my parents are even more like civilized in a way, as bad as it may sound, but the religion that my parents are in, they will actually, you know, like a broom. There's this broom that they will be flogging out the demon. When they're doing the exorcism, they'll be flogging out the demon in you. That There's a child right now going through that in Nigeria. Yes. 
They are yeah. flogging out the demon in you to possess. And before you know it, that child will start to think, you know what? If this is a child who has the ability to mask, will start thinking, you know what? Okay, so it's like every time I do this is when they bring me here. Maybe I should stop doing this in front of them. So when the child starts masking, then they start thinking, oh, God has answered our prayer. The child is not doing this anymore. Whereby the child has already processed themselves that, okay, I am masking. I don't want them to know, which is what I used to do when I was younger. Because I was thinking, okay, they are not yet beating out the demon inside me. At what point are they going to start beating out the demon inside me? They're going to have to start doing it at some point. So maybe I should stop doing it so they stop taking me there to 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 pray for me and, and hypnotize me and do whatever they want to do. I don't, I don't, cause I don't know what they're doing, you yeah. know? So, but there are actually some people who, the children will have scars that even some, it's even bad that some children will have maybe mental illness, for example, or have a hidden disability. For example, the parents abandon them, throw them inside the river. And that's the end. These things I'm telling, as I'm telling you, this thing is happening right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. They throw that child inside the river. That is it. Because our governments don't have any, our government don't have any, any, um, we don't really have that much law. We don't have things like forensic science. So unless the person is caught in the act before you know that that's what that person has done. Yeah. Like it gets, it's really, really bad. And that's why I started doing social media. Yeah. And that's why I will never stop. (laughs) I think you've explained that incredibly well and it's very powerful. Everything you're like, the way you're helping people, it, it, it must, you know, it must make such a difference. I remember, I don't know if you've seen the film, uh, the reason I jump and they mm-hmm. have, not yet. so they follow four families and one of the families I believe is, um, in Africa. And they talk about hmm. a, lot of, a lot of what what you're talking about, how the stigma, hmm. how they're viewed as as broken, and the, hmm. you know the the demons, and how lots of hmm. kids have died, and you know there's no resources, there's no support, hmm. and it was heartbreaking. Hmm. I you know watching it on on film, and and I've had the odd message over the years from from different countries, from Asian countries, from African countries, hmm. where Mm-hmm. you know that there, there just isn't anything set up and as much as we rightly complain about some of the the things here in the uk about yes some of the support we get or the lack of support we get i also you know yes grounded by the fact that i know many countries worldwide there just isn't anything and i can't imagine what it would be like yes. to live there with jude and tommy in in those circumstances mm. Yeah. I like I said, I your page. I've I already loved your page. I love it even more now, having heard what you know some of the experiences you've had and the way you're able yeah. to help families like your own, um, who yeah. yeah, I guess who can't talk about it with friends and family or or feel ashamed or feel that yeah. you know they've done something wrong and yeah it's it's like another layer i I know there's lots of us who we lose friends and family along the way because our lives differ because they're they've turned out differently yeah. and you know we can't go to the social occasions and you know and, and that's yeah. that's sad but it must be incredibly 
difficult when you feel like your whole community doesn't accept you or doesn't, uh, you know, it teaches you that, that you're doing something wrong or you're not praying hard enough or, you know, that, that your family's broken. So it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a whole nother level. So like I said, you, the content you produce is, is great. It's, it's lovely seeing the personalities of your kids, but I, I think as you mentioned that it's even more important the what you're doing behind the scenes with families and, and the advice and support you're giving them. So, so I just wanted to recognize that and say, you know, you're doing a brilliant job with Mima. Thank you. <laughs> you're doing a brilliant you, job too, James. Like I love, I love following you. Like before you even followed me, I'd followed you for years. <laughs> right i'd first followed you on my personal page yeah because it was through mm. tiffany that i found you right so i even remember when the boys back then you used to post both boys a lot mm. right um and they were so young then they were so they were so 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 young then I, and then i even used to follow um autism dad the page autism dad as well yeah. around yeah. then um but it, it it was for me even though like i was craving like you know seeing more african families it was also nice seeing because i think you're the first one that i saw with multiple children and i think you changed my perspective as well because before i was thinking like i said i didn't want to have any more child because i felt like it was going to be too much for me mm. you know uh it was going to be too much for me and i used to think to myself but at the end of the day what if I had two kids? What will it be like? You know, and I know yes, autism is different for everyone, but it just made it just gave me so much. Like your page gives me so much joy seeing that you show every aspect. You show um your videos. You show both of them. I even love like I know you still does the um Tommy still does the puzzle, um but there was one time whereby you used to show a lot of that puzzle content a lot. Um, and it was just like, wow. And I, cause I'd never seen an autistic child do puzzles before. So yeah. it was like, damn, like, wow, he, he's doing puzzles, you know, um, flipping through the books and stuff, but it's just so nice to see a dad. And I think also is the representation of a dad doing these things because there are a lot of families that it feels like it's always the moms that have the most burden. Yeah, And like my husband now, for example, he's not a, he doesn't like to be on the camera too much. He's not a camera person at all, you know, but he does a lot behind the scenes. Mm. So it's nice for people to see that, yes, dads are, dads are also physically involved in their, in their children. Like for me, it brings me that much stress to see, yes. There's that dads out there who do this, you know, they don't leave either leave the body into the woman to do, or it's not just the woman. Cause sometimes like when I say I'm tired, for example, now some people might leave slight comments and say things like, but what about their dad? Excuse me. Because that dad don't like to be on the camera and I like to be on the camera. Don't mean the dad don't do shit, you yeah. know, or because I'm always on the camera doing all this. Who do you think cleans the kitchen? Who do you think mops the house? Who do you think bathes the kids? Who do you think irons the children's uniform? I can't even remember. If you tell me to iron my kids' uniform, I'm actually going to cry. 
Like, I can't remember the last time I ironed their uniform, you know? For me, it's just seeing that there's someone who is willing to show himself out there raising his kids. That, that, that brings so much joy to me. And I also want to say, like, I love your page. Like, like you don't understand. Like, you're, you're so incredible. You, you really oh, are. Okay. You really are, James. You really are. Yeah. Thank you. It's... <laughs> I, you know, I think we and the, the many other people who, who share online, we we just want to normalize autism. We just want to raise awareness, improve acceptance, and and show people that it's okay. Mm. And and that's this is a, a great way of doing it. And it's the reason why we do this podcast is to is to give people different perspectives that you know I. My experience is different to your experience. There's similarities, but you know, we learn from each other. Yeah. We learn from people like Tiffany. We learn from other autistic adults. We learn from other families, and this is a yeah. this is a great way to do it. So, thank you so much for joining me. Um, we've mentioned you're on Instagram. Thank and you TikTok for having me. And Facebook. <laughs> I will link up um, all of that in the show notes to everybody. Just before we finish, final question. What's one thing you'd like the world to know about autism? I would like the world to know that autism is a spectrum. When you see a child with autism, you see a child with autism, okay? I would also like people to know that your child having autism is not the end of the world. Hmm. Always look at the positive rather than dwelling on the negative. Yes, autism can be a blessing and a struggle for a lot of people, but it's always looking forward and trying to have a positive mindset, you know. Um, I also want to say that autism is not a spiritual thing, especially because now I'm realizing that I've been talking about that aspect from being an African, but then realizing that it's not actually an African thing. Mm. You know, there are other cultures, other religions that also see autism as a spiritual thing. Yeah. And that anyone hearing me, rather than taking your child for exorcism or whatever it is, you're only having more, you might think you're struggling. And yes, you are struggling maybe because you don't have the finances, you don't have the help, you don't have the knowledge, you don't know what to do, you don't have the experience or whatever. But always remember that because you're in a particular struggle doesn't mean you had more because now that child is going to be traumatized. Now, I am opportune to say my story or to, you know, let people learn from my story about how I've been traumatized and how it's affected me to today and why I am not, why it's made me realize that I don't want to be a religious person, you know, or I'm not a religious person, which doesn't mean I don't believe in God, you know, but there are other children who are non-speaking or don't have the resources to explain the trauma they've gone through or explain what they have gone through and then it's all internalized and you can only imagine the demons or the the struggles they are fighting in their head because of the ex extra trauma you've had to them just because you're struggling 
you know, you're only gonna regret it. It's only only gonna get worse for the true for the for the child. You know, all that energy. Try and find other parents who are going through what you're going through. Don't be afraid. Like with me, my DMs are always open. Ask questions. If I don't know, I'll always ask people like Tiffany. You know, or direct you to people like Tiffany, or recommend other pages that might be able to help. Um. So I would really say that just take life one time as it, as it goes. Be open-minded about it. Don't just focus about the negative. Try and find, and even, even when times feel overwhelming, try and make it like for me, I always try to find the, the positive in it so if i'm having a bad day i think to myself okay what could i have done differently what couldn't i have done differently because sometimes things will be out of your control how is there a better way i could approach it is there a different way i could approach it could i ask somebody else to help me or to understand what's going on you know don't be afraid to ask from help around people who are going through similar things with you um so i think that's all i'm going to say so just yeah, but I think, yeah, I, I'm beginning to see that the spiritual aspect is not just an African thing. So I'll try and make more content around that to help people more or make people see things more. Because I know I, I try not to talk about it because I'm traumatized. If you, even if you notice, go on my page. I've not posted for a few days because the last video I posted talked about it. The little I did, I am relieving my childhood. Mm. I'm relieving the experience that I'm going through. And that's even for me that people might see as a strong person as an outgoing person like someone who doesn't care who will say as it is but there are people who, who are not like me and you don't know what they're going through you know so don't fall don't fall victim of that prey don't fall victim of detox detoxing your child is not going to take the autism away it's not wasting your money detoxing your child go and buy your child the trampoline maybe the, the, the what you're struggling with is the hyperness of your child. Go and buy them a trampoline. My son is behind there now, jumping. He's been there for more than one hour. He went back inside. He came back again. Jumping, jumping, jumping. You know, let him release whatever he wants to release. Be excited. Play. There's nothing wrong with your child steaming. Because I know that's what people think. People think that steaming is a demonic, is the, is the demon show facing out outwardly, outwardly. It is not that. So don't puff pray for all these detox people don't fall pray for all these fake prophets or fake pastors trying to exploit your fame, whatever religion you're in just be more open-minded and try and see where you can find resources from so i think that's it <laughs> i think that's a perfect way to finish don't don't spend your money on detox spend your money on a trampoline that's a <laughs> Yes, yeah, spend a, a your money on the trampoline and some fidget toys. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, Ramima. It's been an amazing conversation. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm sure that people are going to enjoy it. Quick one before you go. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, subscribe to the podcast, which will make sure you don't miss any future episodes, but will also help other people find the podcast too. In the show notes, you'll find links for the best places to find this week's guest and where you can connect with me. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode, so tag me or DM me in all the usual places. Hope you enjoyed this week's story about autism.